Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. For better or worse, New Orleans' economy is dependent on tourism. As we've discussed previously on this show, critics say a tourist-dependent economy traps people in low-paid jobs. Tourism boosters say that without the revenue generated by tourists, we'd all be paying way more in taxes and our cost of living would be through the roof. Whichever of these positions you subscribe to, undeniably the heart of New Orleans' tourism industry and therefore New Orleans' vital finance generator is the French Quarter. The French Market Corporation is all too aware of this tourist dependence. They'd like the French Quarter to be a place locals visit too, not just because it is, after all, quintessentially New Orleans, but because for a large chunk of the year, the heat keeps tourists away and locals are the quarter's only source of revenue. As the name suggests, the French Market Corporation operates the French market, but their jurisdiction also includes the Pentaba buildings, all the Riverside retail stores, and Riverside restaurants from Café de Monde to Gazebo Café. It's a big chunk of real estate and accounts for a significant percentage of French Quarter revenue. The executive director of the French Market Corporation is Leslie Alley. Leslie, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for having me. There aren't many places in the French Quarter that tourists and locals go, but there is one place most tourists go and most locals have been, and that's Pat O'Brien's Bar. Pat O'Brien's is the home of the hurricane. They have fountains of fire in the courtyard, and in their piano lounge, they have dueling pianos. Two piano players sit at matching copper-top grand pianos, playing together or trading off, playing requests, and encouraging audience participation. It's a singular kind of skill that combines musicianship and live improv entertainment. For 25 years, one of these entertaining piano players has been Henrietta Alves. Henrietta, welcome to Out to Lunch. Honored to be here. Thank you so much. Leslie, as I mentioned, the French Market Corporation has a lot more going on than just the French market, but let's start there. The actual market, sometimes also known as the flea market, has changed over the years. It used to be a place locals would sell all kinds of things from secondhand clothes to records, but predominantly crafts. Then somewhere along the line it changed. Today it seems to be filled with mostly mass-produced items and it looks similar to other trinket-style markets around the world. I understand the French Market Corporation has come to realize the mission drift of the market and is in the process of returning it to its original purpose of local vendors selling local products. How are you doing this? Are you telling people selling sunglasses and cigarette lighters they have to pack up and leave? And given that local makers presumably deserted the location because the rent was too high or revenue was too low, how were you encouraging them to come back to the French market? Thanks for having me today. I am a local, so visiting the French market was a big part of my growing up. And I do recall the days when the market was filled with sunglasses and mass-produced products for overseas. And the effort to change the French market back to locally produced products didn't just start 
today and with um, my tenure at the French market, but it's been going on for several years. Part of the mission with the French market now is making sure people understand that because frequently when people come back to the market, especially locals, they say, I didn't realize how much the market has begun to change. Now, I'm not telling you that we don't have some of those mass-produced products there because we still have vendors that have been there for a long time. But we have made a real effort to make sure that we have locally produced products by local artists that are handmade and not mass-produced. And one of the reasons we decided earlier last year as the pandemic had us focusing on other things to do a strategic plan was to make sure that we could continue that effort and we could get that information out to the public. So we spent some time doing a strategic plan for the entire organization to make sure that we didn't uh, have more mission drift, that we really tried to make sure that our capacity was aligned with our mission. And we are continuing this with another study that we did in the flea and farmer's market to make sure that we bring those products in that not just tourists want to see, but that locals want to see as well. Now, in part of that study, we looked at who visited the market, and particularly in trying to make the market sustainable. And what we realized over the pandemic, that most of the people that were coming to visit the market were relatives or visitors of locals. And if you go to your friend's home and your friend doesn't want to go to the market, then are you going to end right. up going there? So we need our locals to love the market so they bring their friends and relatives there with them. Henrietta, nobody likes paying taxes. There are all sorts of ways to avoid paying taxes. The easiest is simply not to declare all your earnings. This, of course, is not strictly legal. But for people who deal in cash, it's very common. Lots of frontline workers in the hospitality industry get a very low base pay, but make up for it in tips. At the time, not declaring all of these tips as income sounds like a great idea. Frankly, it can also be essential because the amount you make is not all that great and it's unpredictable. So to get through the lean months, you need that cash to stay afloat. But nonetheless, later in life, it can come back to bite you. When you're older and you're eligible for Social Security, the amount you get paid out is calculated on the basis of the amount you paid in. As an older American who has been working in the tip-driven hospitality sector a great deal of your working life, I imagine you're familiar with this scenario, and I'm sure you've given it some thought. What kind of financial reform could be implemented in the local hospitality industry to make it work for lifers like you? I have never thought about that. I just know that I declared my tips because out of fear, like, I'll be the one person they come after. <laughs> <laughs> And so I don't even discuss, I have never discussed it with other musicians because I don't want to put them in an awkward place. But I personally declared my tips and I didn't ask anybody else if they were, mostly out of fear that I didn't want to be the one <laughs> that yeah. they said, I uh, saw so that you make tips, where are they? And I had right there. And they were in that glass jar. Yeah, I always saw them. And, and, uh, I, the way I handle it is I also do private parties. So it, there's really not a place on my tax form to put it. So I just put it in with that other income kind of thing. Do you think, um, do you think hospitality workers ought to be paid more salary and less tips that break down? Or what do you think? Well, as one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're Here's here. Here's just a fact. 
at Pat O'Brien's, we all make the same salary. If Leslie started working there tomorrow and I had been there 40 years, she would make my the same salary. I have never worried about that. There are other people that don't like that at all, but I, it is what it is. And so my joke is the only way I get a raise is if I learn my trade better and I make more tips. <laughs> and yes, I, I don't, I think there's a terrible inequity. I was talking to an, a much older waiter. He'd be, he's older than I am if he's still with us. And we had just gotten a house raise. And he said, that's really good. The only way I'm ever going to get a raise is if the United States raises. Oh, yeah. The, the, or the house sinks, which could work out here. That would be the, uh, <laughs> it is. Well, in other words, they, they are strictly going by the law. That It, it is an incredibly horrible salary that these weight people make. I don't really know, but it's, you know, you talk about $10 an hour at McDonald's. These hardworking people, I don't know, you'd have to Google it and look it up. It is a terrible price. And what they do is they depend on those tips. So whatever generosity you have, five bucks may not seem like a lot to you, but it's a great deal to the one who's receiving it. So just do the, the right thing. And then they go, oh, no, the owners should be doing that. Well, not until you voted in. <laughs> They're going to do exactly what they are required to do. Now, Leslie, uh, you are a public benefit corporation. And Correct. in New Orleans, we have lots of odd structures. Uh, what does that mean? So a, bu a public benefit corporate is actually uh, it's a mechanism of the state. So it's created by the state legislature. And what it does is allow local municipalities to create organizations that are a little bit more nimble in the management of their properties. So the city of New Orleans has three public benefit corporations. There's the New Orleans Building Corporation, the Municipal Yacht Harbor Corporation, which takes care of all the properties out at West End, and then there's the French Market Corporation. And we've got most of the city's historic assets along the riverfront. Since we do a lot of property leasing, we have to be able to move a little bit more quickly than the city does in its traditional bid structure. So you'll see in those public benefit corporation regulations that they're crafted to allow these entities to be a little bit more of an economic development entity and have a little bit more flexibility in how they handle their leases, move their leases more quickly, and actually deal with the capital development and maintenance of the structures. So the French Market Corporation was actually created to help maintain those super expensive historic structures that are right there along the riverfront, which are, I, I say all the time, they're like sieves. The water's coming from the top, it's coming from the side, it's coming from the bottom. <laughs> the Pentablas were built in the 1840s. You know, they weren't intended for the uses that we have today. So we have to be able to be the stewards of these historic buildings and f maintain them through our commercial entities. So. It's a bit of a challenge, but uh, you need that special structure to allow you to do that. And Henrietta, have you ever thought it was ironic that the hurricane is our favorite drink and it's also the thing <laughs> we're most fearful of? I think that is, uh, yeah. I always thought about that. The, uh, you have a number of different jobs you do, and I guess, yeah, is it you have to do a number of uh, different jobs or do you just feel more comfortable having a lot of... Uh, irons in the fire, that's what I Yeah, call irons it. in the fire, right. I always try, I'm such a Pollyanna, I always try to think that good comes from bad, 
I was very comfortable at Pat O'Brien's. And you're oh, no longer I, there, right? I'm no longer okay. there. I uh, Oh, by the way, they tell my my fans that I have retired. I would like to go on the record as saying I have not retired. That's that. They, Because of COVID, I mean, I can't blame them, they fired everybody in, wow. uh, around the mid-September of 2020. Everybody was fired. Well, so. it's a pizza joint, but we may have a piano here. I don't know if you want to. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that yeah. Would, that would sort of do it for us. They, uh... I have gotten jobs that way. You have, <laughs> would you like to hear me play? <laughs> but, I would love to. So what happened was I was forced out of, I did a podcast recently called Out of Your Comfort Zone. I was forced from my comfort zone of get up, get dressed, go to work. It's all there for you. Promotion, piano, equipment, audience. Now you go home. Now I got to do all of that. So it has forced me into doing all the goals that I wanted to do in my lifetime. And now it's, I'm writing books. I have been hired as a motivational coach in an online site, uh, mental health group. All these, I've been giving people advice all my life. Now I might get paid for it. I'm so happy. <laughs> but. That being pushed from that comfort zone was really a good thing for me because all the things I had floating around to be oh one day that day came. <laughs> now we're there. They hit so Leslie, where does the revenue come in that, that you bring in? Is it go is it like do you have a budget and it goes back into restoring uh, different facilities or does it go back to the city or how does it work? So we do have a budget and the budget has to be approved by both our board of directors and the city council. So most of the money that we have goes to maintain those historic structures. As I said, the, the upper pentablas, um, we've got the colonnades along the riverside and we've also got the flea and farmer's market, but we maintain Crescent Park now, so that also takes a little bit of maintenance that goes along the way. So the majority of our budget is spent on maintaining the properties and putting on the activities and the activations. Creole Tomato Fest is coming right, up yeah. as we look I'm at the favorites. red pizza, you know, <laughs> but all of those great things that we do in addition to promoting other folks' events, but we use as much as the budget is as necessary to do the, our work plan, and then the rest of that does get returned to the city and goes into the city's general fund. In the past, there's always been a challenge when the city is, you know, looking for revenues that folks no. really want to squeeze the French market <laughs> to try to get money back for big city projects. But Mayor Cantrell in particular is really a fan of the market and wants to bring culture downtown and wants us to use our money in the market. Now, she still wants us to be frugal and give money back to the city, but she's really emphasized working with culture bearers, bringing more pop-ups to the market, bringing those kind of authentic things and spending them in the market. And then if we have money left back at that point, then we give that back to the city's general fund for, there are a lot of city departments like the one I used to work for that are not terribly revenue generating, so they don't cover their own costs. So there are departments like the French market that really need to step in and be able to do that. And you know, a 501C, people can donate to your um, We are in the process of getting our 501C oh. because that gives us a little bit of ability to be a little more flexible and we can be the fiduciary of other funds when we look to other partners because the best use of the French market's money uh, that extra money that we have is really to develop partnerships and sort of stack funds with other groups and really contribute to other people's projects as well as our own. 
You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with executive director of the French Quarter Corporation, Leslie Alley, and musician and longtime Pat O'Brien's piano player, Henrietta Alves. Now, Henrietta, you've been so nice because you told me I could ask this question. It is, uh, they, uh, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> the, um, as an older person, what does the job market look like? You're so skilled. You know so much. But it is really difficult. I, I'm a believer that nothing is impossible, but every negative aspect my age at this time, uh, race comes in for other people, different things are going to make it incredibly difficult. Not impossible. But all uh, during COVID, I was on unemployment for a while, seeking jobs, and I finally zeroed in on hostess. I didn't know what else. I could do because I'd have to walk to it, oh, yeah. and I never got a response. I don't think my age was anywhere on there, but I just feel that there is a, a, a perception that I think I'm very viable. You know, I'm, I'm ready to do anything. In the music world, I still have a large local following sure. and national following and <laughs> international, if you will. So I want to keep working, but... I probably a great deal of it is self-imposed when you think, oh, they're, they're probably not going to want me because I'm old. But I try to break through that. But I just think about other people who is not as driven as I, how difficult it must be when you want to work, you really want to work. Uh, that might be a project for Leslie. I have this vision of giving more performance opportunities for who I call legends. Last night yeah. I was performing in a club and one of my guests who just came in and I got him to play was Al Carnival Time Johnson, oh, yeah. who is in his 80s and he wants to work, but we don't really know the ins and outs. Technology, let me put that as number one. Now we you are kind of a great tech person, right? No, I'm horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was joking. Also, don't, I don't think abstracting either. Some, some we get go, the worst Where research. Where on earth did he get that? <laughs> no, I have for years surrounded myself with young people because they're going to know what, what to do. Uh, but what, that's one of my missions is I want to start a thing for elder care because now that I'm in that position of being on my own, I see so many needs for older people that who want to work, who want to do. It's difficult just to get an ID now. Unless you have gone to get one, you don't understand. My daughter and I sat outside the DMV helping older people who couldn't, didn't, didn't have wow. a, a computer, didn't, and, and the lady, I mean, she's just doing a job, but she would say, oh, just get one of your grandchildren. My grandchildren <laughs> live in Baton Rouge. There's so many needs for older people who want to work. Absolutely. Now, Leslie, you know who to hire now, right? I do know who <laughs> to is, hire. Uh, this this so, is one of the great need, things about this do show. Do I need a piano? Do I need... Or do you or travel with not a piano? BYOP? Or, uh, yeah, there's no. a, depends on what service you would like from me. There we go. 
<laughs> Leslie, I've always been confused about the Pentelba apartments. Yeah. Is it? And people have told me you just got to be a, like a political insider to get in there, and there's a big long list. How does that whole thing work? I've got four units on the fourth floor. If you want to walk up there, that are available right now. I, but it is. It's those urban myths. Call that, that number on your screen. About yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. I wish I would have known when I was in my 20s and working in City Hall because I'd love to do a fourth floor walk up at that point. But it is tough, and it is an urban myth. But there are apartments available in the Pentapolis, and they do come available from time to time. But what a lot of folks do is they get those fourth floor walk-ups to get on the waiting list so they can slowly move their way down to the prime apartments, which are what we call the B level, which is that second floor. And those do come up very rarely, but they do occasionally. At first, we advertise them to our inside tenants who have waited for years yeah. to get those. But then after that, we'll advertise them to an outside list, and, and we get folks that are interested in that. I had a, a good friend of mine uh, sign up because she thought that she wouldn't get a call for 10 years. And we called her right away. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not ready for it. Yet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> not yet. Wow. Well, now that I know you, things are picking up in my life. They, there we uh, go. Oh, hey, Henrietta, uh, you know, you told me about all the different things you do. Uh, it sounds, <laughs> my visual of you is when Lucille Ball had to, worked in the candy factory. And <laughs> they is it like Someone that? told you to say that. Go well, ahead. Or is it a very organized approach? Which way is it? Oh, it's a little of both. I am a total hot mess. I am a, <laughs> I am a perfect storm. I said that to my brother the other day, and he didn't know what that meant. Hot oh, mess. The... <laughs> I am. I'm in the dictionary. I I am a perfect storm of manic depressive, ADD, right-brained creative. I am uh, the worst mess it ever was. Ah, which brings me to my book. The umbrella <laughs> is good lessons from a really bad example. And the only way I conquered my life was I made forms, I made checklists. They are very intricate. And I thought I could share this with others who are going through this same mixed up uh, trouble that I'm going through is that I have all these great ideas and don't know how to implement them. But I've learned, and it's been a, like I said, nothing's impossible. I'm also a dreamer. That's a whole nother show. But who would write that book better <laughs> than somebody who needed the book? Heck As, um, yeah. Absolutely. They, it is. Hey, Leslie, what was the, um, what was the market like back in 1782? And I know you were just a kid then, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but what was it originally? What did it look well, like? It, it was a farmer's market. That really, think about it. We're right there on the riverfront on, in a port city as ships are coming in and people are unloading um, all of their wares and getting them into the market. Also realized that a lot of that land wasn't even there yet because all of that land that's created as you get a little bit farther and right on the edge, uh, the French Quarter used to end right there at Decatur. A lot of that space along North Peters was deposited over time and there used to be things like sugar factories and sugar mills mm -hmm. there and lay down yards. So it really was an industrial area and the French Quarter started as an industrial area and it looks that way a little bit. If you take that look at it, you see where the older buildings were along the river's edge and then you see the residential buildings that built up in support of that where the housing was. So it was very much a traditional river's edge sort of town with industry on the edge and workers that lived in small little shotgun homes or homes all around it. 
Today it's very different, you know, and we don't see the big emphasis on um, fruits and vegetables that we used to see because that's not necessarily what even the individuals that live in the neighborhood are looking for. It's difficult to get to, they can go to a market, it's a lot easier to do, but we still want to have that presence and sort of that look back to there still in the market. So we do still have one vendor that sells fruits and vegetables, but he sells smoothies and coffee and right. other thing along other things along with that. You know, I have to ask that. you this. This is the business school professor in me. You um, you rent the stalls or whatever you mm -hmm. would call theirs, um, but you don't get a piece of the action. That was Some we do, some we okay. don't. So the vendors, which is what we call sort of the people that come in weekly and daily and set it up, set up their space in the stall, we don't get a piece of their action. They pay a flat fee, whether daily or weekly, and, and they come in and they sell. Now there are about 12 shops that are along the edge of the market that I call brick and mortar shops because those are long-term lease tenants and we do get a piece of that action. So we've got to do a good mix between the products that those folks sell and the guys that are in the market selling other products. We have to make sure that we're not, you know, sort of pulling the rug out from under ourselves and our brick and mortar vendors by allowing someone else to sell their products. So it's a bit of a balance. Henrietta, I know you're not at Pat O's anymore, but where are you performing? I do uh, several venues around one-nighters. I uh, do private parties and uh, I play at a dive bar on Mondays that I love, so I'm gonna, someone advised me not to say that. <laughs> but I love it. It's in, they call it Historic Treme, 7th Ward, and it's right off Rampart on St. Bernard, and it's called <laughs> Sydney's Saloon. And I am determined to make a venue of it. And so anybody who lives in the Marigny, Bywater, Esplanade, Avenue, Treme, Sydney's Saloon, Mondays. <laughs> and Henrietta, I, I have to give you the flip side of that, which is you, annually, you would play for the, the Clinton's Christmas party. I do. So, I don't know if that's apropos to talk No, about it's, it offsets wow. Sydney's. That's really great. I like <laughs> Yes, just the opposite. Yes, I do. I do. I'm blessed to play for their Christmas party uh, before COVID. Now they're into their grandchildren, so I think that gig is over. <laughs> but that's all right, I had it. <laughs> I, I am so thrilled to be here with Leslie when they told me that she would be my partner in crime. <laughs> I thought, wow, that is great, except she really is a businesswoman, and, and I don't know what I do. But I just want you to know that the French market has been such a part of my life for the last 40 years that I've, I've lived in the quarter and performed there, I uh, lived at St. Philip and Decatur. Oh yeah, that's which is right like there. Five right. minutes away. And I was one of those who really missed the produce. <laughs> I was one, I remember vividly that one evening I had some guests and I went, oh, when you leave, I got to run over to the market because it was open all night or something. I said, because tomorrow people are going to be coming by for Mardi Gras and I better have fruits and vegetables and all that. So I actually was a shopper and I missed that. So I'm so happy that you're going to, even if it's just visually, there's something about the nostalgia of 200 years ago bringing back the produce. And as you said, 
the people maybe supplement it by selling teas or whatever, but that visual of entering the market and all those stacks of oranges and tomatoes and all that, I'm so excited that you're bringing that back. And also, I have had other times of poverty in my life, and one of the things I did was I sold little stained glass window things at in the French market, and you just rented it for Sunday. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember past that, but <laughs> I wasn't a very good salesperson, so that didn't work. I'm actually shocked at that, to be honest with you, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm real good at selling myself. Uh, well, maybe you didn't sell enough, and you, you were just yeah, whatever. too charming and talking with oh, everyone. Exactly. <laughs> because that's what a lot of our folks do. You know, a lot of our folks work regular jobs during the week and come out I on the weekends s- because they enjoy being with yeah. folks. We've got a lot of people that are retired there's there's a great guy that has a book stand and he sells used books and he comes out on the weekends and he's retired so we have a I would say about 50% of our vendors are actually from the New Orleans area and the rest are regional they'll come in from Araby or they'll come in from the Gulf Coast and they'll be selling something they made there and they need a little time to make it so they can't work every day but they come in and, and have their products. Some people have known each other for 30 and 40 yes. years. But we're trying to get you know new folks in as well so that we can get those new products in and refresh those products. But you know, handmade stained glass is something people always yeah. like when they come down to the market. Really? Oh yeah, and there's a guy that sells that now well, in the market. Good for yeah. him, so, I hope you. Come on in, but Mine you should like come stick by. it in the window kind of little things. Yeah. Well, you can bump him off, Henrietta, and get that no, stall no, back. No, I don't I... think that was my calling, but it was fun for a while. <laughs> There's all kinds of different stuff, and some of the vendors, are that's their thing. They have one thing that they sell, but some of them are just good business people, and they're all you know, entrepreneurs and advocates for themselves, and we've got about 300 people signed up. They're not there all at the same time, so there's usually a good mix of folks, and there's a fabulous mix of cultures. So one of the things that we're we're starting to do, and we were really lucky to have the Canadian Consul sort of kickstart it for us, is the the flood wall that runs along the side of the market is notoriously beige. And so the Canadians have come in and they've painted a mural right there closest to um, the red building and the the tower that's over there and it's right there on around Governor Nichols and Ursline. So what we want to do is start a series of murals that go down the flood wall that are representative of the cultures of the individuals that participate in the market so that people just don't see the products but they understand. We've got people in the market from Canada, we've got people in the market from South America, we've got people in the market from East Africa and all of those things and all of those products are just like the gumbos that, that we eat. It's that great cultural mix that makes the market a place to be. And in some of the economic studies that we were doing as we were going through the pandemic and the market was closed, what we realized is people come to the market not for a particular product, but for the market itself. So we have to be really good about having those products that people knew were there historically and those vendors that people come to see, but mixing that up with new stuff so we don't just have stale products. So each time you come, you might want to see the thing that you saw as a kid, but you also want to see something new so that the next time you come, you know that there'll be something new as well. So that's that hard balance. I'm curious about what the Canadians painted. Was it like a 
Royal Mountie? They it's painted more or? Acadian and oh, looking. So that it's part that sort of. Right. So when you look at it, it, it looks like it's got um, its animals and shapes, and that it all have that sort of relationship between Canada and the French, and coming down here and being in That's Louisiana. Perfect. It's pretty terrific. It, it really was cool. That's it was a Canadian artist that did it. So. We've been, and the Levy District was our partner there because it's their wall, because those are flood walls, so you have to be real careful about what you do. So we're trying to find those opportunities in the market to find those little spots to infuse more life and culture into the market so that you see something new. So the next time you go down to the market, you're going to be able to see something new that you haven't seen before. And you're absolutely right about your earlier comment about bringing uh, people from out of town into there. That's, that seems to be the real driver. It is, because we'll, when there's a cruise ship parked uh, you know, in the river, well, of course they're going to come. And when there are big conventions in the city, yeah, they're going to come, but it's about being sustainable. What did we see? I started on March 2nd at the market. And of we 2020, shut it, 2020, right? 2020, and we shut it down. Let me know what else you do, because <laughs> I'll avoid that. We shut it down two weeks later. Right. <laughs> I was like, thanks a lot. But during that time, I got to see the organization sort of get broken down to its basic pieces, and we've been able to start to, to build it up and put it back together. And what we saw were locals and families. I've never seen so many locals with kids in the market walking around, you know, enjoying the place, going to all the shops. Now all the tourists are starting to come back as well. But we've got to keep those locals there so that they want to bring their families and friends. And they tell our story when they go elsewhere. Where do you go in New Orleans? You go to the French market. Yes. Or you go to Paddock. <laughs> right. Or they go wherever you are. Wherever Henrietta is. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt New Orleans wouldn't be the city it is without the French Quarter. And the French Quarter, as attractive as it is architecturally, wouldn't have the charm, character, and reputation it has without the people who live and work there. Henrietta, you've contributed to decades of life in the Quarter as both a resident and a musician. And Leslie, your contributions to the French market and to the properties of the French market corporation will be felt for decades to come. It's been a pleasure spending time with both of you. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Leslie Alley, Executive Director of the French Market Corporation, and Henrietta Elvis, musician, actor, entertainer, and writer. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Leslie and Henrietta's lives in the French Quarter by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com.
Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane, Three Roll is cane to glass. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com.